This is It Is What It Is, a podcast gumbo featuring Max Lit. Yeah, so it's been a minute and it's been a lot going on, <laughs> you know, around the world, in our country, uh, in our personal lives. You know, 2020 has been been a year. Uh, I think we all can attest to that. And um, I'm getting back into the podcasting thing. Um, and I think this is an appropriate time to do so, uh, especially with, again, like I said, everything that's going on. Um, you know, you got the COVID, you got the election, you got, you know, police brutality still taking out, you know, young black men, women, children, unarmed young black men, women, children. Um, and it seems like nowadays everything is just politicized. Everything is a hot point for political conversation. Um, and, you know, things, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people talk to some of y'all who might be listening and I think all of us can can come to the conclusion that things are going to look very different on a lot of fronts uh from here on out you know um depending on what people believe you know as far as you know what 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 this time that we live in and what it really signifies that's up to each person's um interpretation of their beliefs or whatever like that um and we're not going to get into that you know, on the podcast, um, maybe a little bit of my personal beliefs, but I think the main thing I wanted to get out of this particular podcast is, um, just a sense of, I wouldn't say responsibility or, um, you know, obligation, but I know with, with me as a writer and the things that I write about, you know, a lot of it has a lot to do with race and politics and, uh, each time I got ready to to do another episode, um, you know, since the pandemic and since, you know, things just took a real turn, man. Um, you know, every time I got ready to, to record some content or I felt like I knew what I wanted to talk about, something else happened. Um, and it's just you start feeling like or you start wondering, you know, whether... Is it that everything's happening so quickly and so often, or is it just that we have access to this information at, the, at our fingertips, like with our phones and, and, and tablets, laptops, whatever? Um, and I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, the 24-hour news cycle uh, definitely keeps us informed as far as what's going on. But when you realize that the things that's happened over the past few months, like with Ahmaud Arbery, Brittany, uh, Breonna Taylor... Uh, Jacob Blake, uh, a lot of, a lot of things that we've, we've, we've been hearing in the news. Um, it wasn't like this happened yesterday and we found out about it today. You know, a lot of these things happened months ago. There's a couple of things that I saw yesterday over the past week or so that, you know, some of this stuff is just coming to light. And I know a lot of times I question, you know, how does, the shooting of an unarmed person, regardless of their race, you know, how does that shooting and a killing, uh, how does that go unknown to a lot of people across the nation and across the world? How does that go unknown for months? Um, 
and I mean, we all know the answer to that. You know, the, the people involved, the and and I'm just gonna be frank. You know, the people involved, the white people involved. You know, I don't know what the connections are. You know, but sometimes you know you read these stories and you go a little bit deep and you find out, oh, this person's hooked in with this uh, person in law enforcement, or this person's hooked up with a you know a district attorney somewhere, or you know some high-ranking official, to where these things get covered up. And the only time we hear about it is when, you know, a video surfaces or someone who was there decides to speak out. And um, it just seems like regardless of the situation, no matter how heinous it is, no matter how unjustified the shooting or the attack or whatever, um, no matter how unjustified those things are, it turns into this this hot topic of conversation where we got to determine or, or you go, you got sides that say black lives matter. You got sides that say all lives matter. You got sides that say blue lives matter. And the bottom line is, at least from my point of view, my perspective, um, anybody. Okay, I can't say anybody because people have conflicting views on the whole black lives matter or all thing, all lives matter, whatever like that. This is my viewpoint on that. If you're a white person and you tell me all lives matter, that means that you don't care about my life. That's how I feel about that. Um, and it might not be that a person particularly doesn't care about my personal life. You know, it might be somebody that I know or someone that I've come in contact with or someone that I conversate on a regular basis. You know, there are people when I worked at the airport, um, you know, people will come by the desk all the time. You know, people that's traveling uh, on a regular basis, you know, before all of this happened. Um, you know, with the pandemic and all of that, um, and we would have conversations and fortunately, as far as the public goes, um, I never got into a, a heated discussion about anything like that, but I did get into some discussions like that with some of my coworkers and it's times like these that when you talk about black people conversating with white people about topics that affect the black community when you hear the opinions of those people who aren't black or who are white you know it blows it blew me away on a, on a lot of occasions uh only because not that i didn't expect these people to feel that way some of the people i expected to not reveal the way they felt about certain things to me as a black man as a black person um, and I find myself asking myself, you know, am I doing something wrong? You know, am, am I portraying the image or the personality of a black person who is not, uh, uh, who, who doesn't care about the things that's happening to people that look like me? Um, and I don't know the answer to that because, you know, I, I, I try to carry myself and, and, and be very direct with my, my viewpoints on, on things like that. Um, and I, I, you know, having a few conversations with people, <laughs> you know, you, you have a conversation today, you have a conversation tomorrow. And the next thing you know, that person's not stopping by to say anything to you. Um, so you wonder like, so it was really good. You know, these people are people that I come in contact with every day. And, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, you just mentioned black lives matter and it sets off this, this whole thing, uh, of people, um, just having very, very hardline views and opinions on what that means. 
And to me, it's very simple. Black Lives Matter means exactly what it says. Black and brown bodies matter. Women, men, children. And it's not that we are trying to inform people that Black Lives Matter when we say that. It's more like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like we're imploring, you know, people who, who support the police. And I'm not talking about the police as an entirety. And I feel, I feel stupid that every time we talk about police brutality, we have to preface it with, I don't mean all the police. But we do, because we have to be clear about what we mean, even though it's very obvious what we mean. You don't have to walk around and say, blue lives matter when it comes to police. Because anybody who's not a police officer understands that. I don't think anybody, regardless of your viewpoint or whatever like that, I don't think anybody uh, doesn't feel like the lives of human beings that are police officers, that they don't matter. I don't think anybody feels that way. Or at least I can say I know the people that I know myself and the people that I, you know, keep circle with, they don't feel that way. And even if we did, we already know what it is because the police carry guns. So, <laughs> you know, they, they have an ability to protect themselves in any violent situation. Um, when you say all lives matter, we know that, too. You know, it's like. You don't have to explain those things to, to, to anybody. You don't have to explain like you don't even have to explain when it comes to dogs and animals, you know, um, I hate not that I hate, you know, but I look at and I know this was a long time ago, um, but I look at things and I compare them to what would happen if this person wasn't black. OK, so. I can't even begin to run off the number of of black men, women and children that have been shot unarmed murdered by the police over the past 10 years okay um if you look at how many of these incidents have happened since trayvon martin can't begin to run them all off you know uh, a good friend my roommate davlin hill uh she gave bought me a t-shirt that had all the women's names that were uh, shot and killed by police. I didn't know it was that many. Also have a Black Lives Matter shirt that has all the names that we, at least that we know of. And those names are really small and, and, the, and the, the, the logo is really big. And it says Black Lives Matter and all of those names make up that look, make up that logo, make up that screen print. And... I didn't know it was that many, but it wasn't surprising that it was that many. And you look at the amount of police officers that were prosecuted and went to jail. A very small number, maybe a handful, right? Those people took innocent human lives. You compare that to the situation that happened with Michael Vick when he was fighting dogs. 
and he went to jail for almost two years or over over a little bit over two years, but he went to prison. He almost lost his ability to make a living. And that's what happened when he was found out to be dog fighting and was killing dogs. And that's wrong. But there wasn't. Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. How come there is not the same outrage from everyone? How come the outrage that people had over Michael Vick fighting dogs and killing some of them, how come that outrage is greater than the outrage over killing unarmed black men, women, and children? The outrage is greater against the Black Lives Matter movement. It's against those people protesting. You know what I'm saying? Colin Kaepernick kneeled peacefully. Just like so many other football players kneel on a football field. And someone asked him why he decided to do that during the national anthem. He told him, he was like, I'm protesting police brutality. Noble cause. He wasn't out there starting no trouble. He wasn't out there, you know, with Black Lives Matter uh, patched on his jersey, writing it on the sneakers. He wasn't doing that. And even though the NFL has recently, quote unquote, acknowledged the the, the racism problem in this country, and they say they want to do everything they, they they can to to combat it, it's obvious that they still don't care. It's very obvious. I mean, you could put Black Lives Matter on the logo at center, uh, what is it, midfield <laughs> in the NFL, you could replace the shield with Black Lives Matter. And a whole lot of black people, even black people who like football, would know that that's pretty disingenuous because of the history that the NFL, recent history that the NFL has uh, had against uh, peaceful protest in, in this regard. You look at the NBA. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's funny that I reference sports because sports, the way sports looks now kind of, you know, is, is a microcosm of what has been happening in, in our country and, and o across the world, really. Um, it's a microcosm of what's been going on. You know, the NBA allows their players uh, the freedom of speech to, to speak out against uh, uh, issues and, 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 and causes that affects them personally and that's commendable you know they have black lives matter on the court uh in the bubble in orlando um they they have advertisements on the, the broadcast you know you have uh, the commentators chiming in on it too um and when it comes down to it to be honest with you um it's crazy when corporations and in, 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 in sports entities like the NBA and the NFL, you know, when stuff like this happens, now is like, well, so whose side are you on? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, at the end of the day, it's about money, right? So the NBA knows that its market is predominantly black. Its players are predominantly black. You know, the percentage of players in the NBA is, what, something like 89% black. So the NBA knows... You know, if we, we can't not be on the side of our players, our coaches, you know, we cannot be on the side. Um, we cannot not be on their side. We can't be on the opposite side of this. Oh, not only because 
you know, the league will shut down, <laughs> you know, but it's advertising, right? And in and, and, and the companies that, that are, that are uh, sponsors for the NBA, they're like, oh, we got to be on the right side of this too because we don't want to lose money. The NFL didn't change their viewpoints on things until big name corporations was like, we're not going to, we're pulling out. We're not going to, we're not going to sponsor you. We're not going to, you know, advertise, you know, on your fields, in your stadiums. We're not going to do it. So I think what happens with me is you like to see the progress, right? But the, is the narrative changing? Next year, you know, is, is it just trendy now to, to speak out? Or, you know, is it, I, I just find it really hard to believe that these entities, these big corporations, these companies, uh, I, I find it really hard to believe that they actually care. Because my question is, if you wasn't going to lose a billion dollars <laughs> or your potential for financial losses, if it wasn't ridiculous, you know, concerning this issue, would you be on our side? You know, would you would you have put Black Lives Matter on the basketball court? Would you have put in racism uh, in the end zone? I would have loved to see in, in uh, end racism in huge letters. In the end zone, instead of, you know, the team's uh, name and logo or whatever else they put in those end zones, they have it on the back of the end zone. And it's relatively small. You know, I would have loved to see that. In the end, Black Lives Matter in the end zone, like big letters. But, you know, baby steps, right? So. With that, you know, a lot of things, lives all of our lives have changed over the past six months, I would say. Um, I got let go from the airport like a couple of weeks before COVID really hit. And um, at first I was like, man, yo, what am I do? But things worked out, you know. Um, um, it's, I felt like it took me a little while to kind of get back in gear. Uh, because I was trying to figure out what I'm going to do, you know, as far as income goes. And, you know, now I have all this time on my hands. And and, and now I understand. I have a friend who, um, unfortunately, doesn't work, can't work. And uh, I just assume that when you when you don't have a job to go to every day, you have all this time on your hands and you can just do whatever you want. And I think if <laughs> if this had occurred and it wasn't in the midst of, you know, COVID, Maybe I would have been a little bit more active on my stuff. You know, maybe so much time I wouldn't have elapsed in between the last podcast and this podcast. Um, it's not that I haven't been recording content. It's just that the content becomes dated really fast because there's always something new happening, especially on topics of social injustice and uh, oppression and white supremacy. All of that. It's like every day there's a new situation. Uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> The United States president, not my president. Um, he makes it to where it's hour to hour with the stuff that he's, you know, saying and tweeting and all of this stuff. And and I think that's another thing that kind of keeps, you know, keeps the anxiety 
in 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 in, in people, um, because like uh, Dave Chappelle said, this man was 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 issuing battle uh, rap threats, you know, and that's on the political side, you know, dealing with foreign leaders and all this stuff. Here at home, he's he's made a hardline stand, you know, basically. Black people, brown. If you're not white, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Like he's making legislation to where, you know, rich white people or or well-off white people or even upper middle class, upper working uh, class white people. He's making it to where, you know, their complaints about having black people in the neighborhoods have been heard, and he's he's written legislation. To, 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 to basically say, y'all don't have to worry about black people moving in your neighborhood anymore because I'm not going to keep the federal mandates that uh, 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 requires uh, some of these housing communities and, and developments to have low-income housing. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And it doesn't surprise me that he said that. It doesn't surprise any, nothing that Donald Trump has said or done surprises me at all. It doesn't. I think what surprised me is that there wasn't anybody in his administration, at least that we know of or that, you know, has been made public knowledge that was like, whoa, whoa you, you, you can't say those things. You can't you can't do this. And so that's when you realize. Everybody. Even the people that support issues that affect black people, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's really not about anyone really poor. It's not about any of us who who are trying to figure out how we're going to keep food on our table if I'm not working. It's, it's, it, it, the government doesn't work for those people. And what, 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 what drives me nuts is how white poor people and some black people support not just Trump, but support the stuff that he's saying, supports the things that he's putting into place. You know what I'm saying? It's like I always refer to Donald Trump being president as Lex Luthor being in office. And a lot of people might not get that reference. There was a Superman animated movie that literally had Lex Luthor uh, elected into uh, elected as president. Um, and this was. Uh, I saw this during Obama's reelection run when Trump was somewhat running against him. And I was like, man, you know, electing Donald Trump in office is like electing Lex Luthor to be president. And and that could not have been a more <laughs> uh, apt comparison, if that's the right word or appropriate. Let's just use appropriate comparison or dead on comparison. Right. Because this man doesn't care about anything except himself, his opinions and his money. I don't even think he cares about the average wealthy American citizen. If you if there is an average wealthy American citizen, I only think he I only think he cares about the people who are super wealthy like he is and he knows those people. And and you know the people that support his campaign, the people that, you know, donate money to him and his business partners, right? So, when you watch this man and he's the person that makes the decisions that affect everyone in this country. It's like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Uh, because there isn't anything in place to stop this man from doing whatever he wants. If it was, it's no, it no longer exists. 
that's why I say things from this point on is going to be very, very, very different. Very different. Um, I remember when I was recording or when I was, you know, setting up to record for the podcast, I had initially um, wanted to, to title this episode of the podcast, Things Done Changed. And things definitely have, <laughs> without a doubt. You know, our daily routines have changed. Um, but in, 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 in a lot of ways, nothing really has changed. Nothing really has changed. Um, you look back four years ago or eight years ago or 12 years ago when Obama first took office. And maybe it was because, you know, he was black. Or maybe it was because he was just a different type of politician than we had seen before. And I think a lot of people, at least a lot of people who supported him, um, and maybe even some people that did. I think a lot of people saw that as a turning point in how things in this country was going to go. Um, in the beginning, it was a little rocky. You know, you have people who really didn't think uh, we should have a black man in office or a black family in the white house and it's it's funny that their reaction to barack obama is the same reaction that black people have towards donald trump but it's not because we don't like donald trump because he's white it's because donald trump doesn't like us <laughs> because we're black you know what i'm saying uh, and you look at the way the Obamas were not necessarily treated, but yeah, I, mean, I guess you could say treated. Um, a lot of things you could tell it was just because they were black. They were criticized differently than any other president uh, or, or first family ever because they were black. You could tell. Um, and even now, you know, Obama jumps in to certain political conversations these days and people criticize him. They say, oh, he's an ex-president. He shouldn't have anything to say. Meanwhile, every ex-president ever in history had something to say during any type of political season or, 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 or election season or anything like that. It's just the way it goes. The criticism that you hear about Donald Trump, apart from people who are black, okay, it has nothing to do with his policies, which is weird. Most criticism that comes from non-black people about Donald Trump is, oh, he's always tweeting. They don't talk about his tweets or they may not even talk about him or criticize him. They'll criticize uh, his wife, Melania, or they'll they'll paint her as a victim. In this situation, you know, Donald Trump's this, this, uh, just weird old man. He's losing his mind. But when it comes to the things he says about black and brown people or just minorities in general, you don't really hear a lot of outside criticism from people that he's not talking about. If you get what I'm saying, it's just, it's just a really weird time politically. And you look at the candidates that are running against him and you know right now you know the election is coming up in november so we've got the candidates lined up really joe biden and uh kamala harris sorry kamala harris 
And I apologize on that. Every time I say Kamala Harris's name, I was saying it wrong. I was saying Kamala Harris. And I don't know why I was saying Harris because I knew her name was Harris, but it's just the pronunciation thing. I don't know. Anyway, so forgive me if I say it again that way. But, um, you know, I was talking to my sister the other day and I'm just like, man, it's like when Hillary was running against Trump, you know, that was, you know, depending on how you felt about Hillary and, um, you know, her political views and her campaign, um, you would just wonder, man, this is like the lesser of two evils, Trump or Hillary, you know, it's like even it's like now even. I mean, I would have loved to see an all-black ticket or, you know, like an all-minority ticket. I was one, you know, I wasn't, you know, 100% keen on Kamala Harris's uh, political campaign in the beginning when she was, you know, before she took herself out of the running for president. But I was like, man, if you get two women, minority women, or, you know, you know, one minority male one minority female for president or vice president. Anything like that would have been dope from the Democratic side, because I think that would have been that would have gone a long way in combating a lot of the stuff that's coming from the Republican side. Um, and when she, you know, got nominated for the vice president uh, position, I felt good about that. I would have felt better if it was the other way around, but, you know, I felt good about it. And it just seems like with Joe Biden heading that ticket, like I don't have a, a personal, uh, you know, opinion negatively, at least about Joe Biden as a person. It's just you you're old. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're old. You're an old white man. So. Even though you say all the right things and even though he does some of the right things, you know, you're still a symbol of what's wrong with the way black and brown people are perceived and, 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 and looked at and, and affected in this country. And I don't pretend to know that I know a whole lot about politics because I don't, you know, I don't know the process of you know how the political parties decide all right, this is going to be our candidate. But what it looks like to me is that there aren't enough minority candidates, male and female. Or I shouldn't say there aren't enough candidates. There aren't enough that are willing to run. And I think part of that um, is the way they saw the Obamas treated for eight years. And they may not want to go through that. They may not want to put their families through that because it's going to happen, right? Um, or people are starting to realize what, the presidency and what the White House really stand for. And it doesn't really stand for anything. It doesn't stand for what it used to stand for. People were saying that when Obama was like, it was like, oh, anybody could be president now. Now we're like, yo, no, anybody really can be president. That's not even a positive thing anymore. You know? It's like the biggest thing that people are afraid of is change. And every time something comes along and has the, you know, the look of change, Depending on what that is, it's, it's, it's usually <laughs> widely panned. You know, I know me, for, for instance, like, you know, when you've been doing something, whatever it is, for so long, and then here comes something that says, oh, we're going to do it this way now. 
you're generally resistant to change because, you know, it's a habit that you've formed or you've, you've gotten used to the way things work. And then this comes along, and you're a little bit resistant. Um, this, this new thing comes along, and you're a little bit resistant. That's natural. But I don't think anybody <laughs> who's aware or even self-aware of the things that are going on around us, I don't think anybody in their right mind really can say, oh, no, you know, things, things are great the way they are. We don't really like, you know, the, the changes. We don't need that unless you're a product of the systemic uh, society or the, system, the systemic issues that we have regarding race in this country. Uh, I've heard something someone mentioned or I read something somewhere where it says it's impossible for in this day and age, or maybe I didn't read it, or maybe it was a thought somebody said it. But anyway, we talk about people, how can you live in this world currently right now and be totally oblivious to what's going on as a white person? And I, <laughs> I tried to figure that out. Like, you know, what kind of environment would it take for a, any person to you know, leave their home every day, go to the grocery store, go to work or watch TV, watch the news. And they are totally unaware, totally unaware. The impact that police shootings on unarmed black men and women and children uh, have on the people that look like them, <laughs> their families. And I think I figured it out. So, of course, there are people who were born into wealth. And when you're born into wealth or you have, you know, access to unlimited resources, you can do anything you want. You can go anywhere you please. It's not that. And, and I want to make sure I, I say this the right way so everybody understands what I'm trying to say. Those conditions are created by that wealth. OK. So you may not be like, say, if you're a uh, say, if I was a wealthy white person uh, and, and this is coming from a show that I've been watching called Below Deck. It's about, um, you know, these super wealthy people or people who have disposable income who rent these mega yachts. And a lot of them treat the people who work on these boats like shit. Um, the crazy thing is the people on the boat who are working, they're mostly white. And the people who are chartering these yachts are mostly white. And you see how they treat these people, people that look just like them. And it's like, so where is some, where is their behavior acceptable? Like, how do you treat someone like they're, they're just like in some cases dirt or worse than dirt, you know, how do you treat people that way? And, and not be aware that it's it's not right to treat them that way. And what I've come to realize, especially watching that show, is that those individuals aren't thinking about their behavior and what's right and what's wrong, including the people on the boat when they go party, because <laughs> they're not thinking about, you know, their behavior either. But from a a a a white, wealthy standpoint about how those individuals view everything that's happening around them. I would imagine that they're oblivious to that only because they surround themselves 
with things that they're familiar with, with people that they're familiar with. So all their friends, you know, their family and anywhere that they would go are people who were just like, we're living it up. We're living it to excess. And we don't really care about what's happening with people who don't have money or in the real world, as it were. I get it, but I don't buy it. And the only reason why I don't buy it is because I think at a certain point, it becomes a choice. Like, I don't I would not believe for one second someone telling me, oh, I didn't know this was going on. I, I didn't know a black man got shot in the back by a police officer. I didn't know there were black people being unarmed, uh, uh, shot and killed unarmed. I didn't know this. I don't buy it only because it's impossible to not know. Now, you may hear it and then choose not to do any more research or you may hear it and not choose to figure out what's going on or ask questions or whatever like that. But I personally believe it's impossible to not know. And that's just my opinion. But anyway, um, just a few things, you know, <laughs> that's been on my mind over the course of the last year. Or especially since March, but we'll just say because there was there was several uh, times when things happened, like when Jay Z signed that deal with the NFL. Um, I had a whole podcast ready to go on that, and then you probably saw the advertisements on uh, or the post on Instagram, you know, saying that that was coming, and I was ready to do it. But then s so many things started happening <laughs> that by the time I got ready to do it, it was outdated, you know. Even to talk about it now is outdated because there's so many things happening, you know. Um, but it, but that situation in itself, um, and I've had time to process that situation, and, and I don't, I still don't agree with it, um, only because um, I just, you know, I, I think it might have been that we just didn't have enough information about what Jay Z was actually doing um, at the point at the time, and and we really still don't, you know, he he put forth these initiatives and things like that, but we really haven't heard a whole lot um, since it happened. And I think when they, when they, when they had the Super Bowl, you know, it was expected that there was going to be something there and, and nothing really happened. Um, but it's just, but again, that's, that's, that's a, uh, that's an example of, you know, the Uber wealthy doing what they got to do. Now, Again, switching gears. Well, not switching gears, but kind of jumping onto that a little bit. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because, again, like I said, it's a little bit outdated. Um, not to say that Jay-Z doesn't do great work. You know, um, if you know anything about Jay-Z over the past 10 years or, or even more, really, um, he's been doing a lot of great work for social uh, justice. And, you know, in some cases, he's been on the front line. He did the the. Um, oh, man. Um, I'm trying to remember the, the, the guy's name, um, but he did. He he was on the forefront of that documentary uh, about the kid who got arrested. Um, not no, he didn't get arrested. He got uh, detained in Rikers Island um, without being charged for months. Um, and I'm just looking it up to make sure I've got all the details correct. Um, but. While I'm while I'm looking that up again, not to say that Jay-Z hasn't done great work, but that was that was that was unsettling for me um, that he would. Basically go into. Uh, 
I don't want to say cahoots because it sounds like it's, it's some some weird situation. But in in all fairness, it it just didn't didn't uh, speak of social justice when that happened. But again, I digress. Um, bear with me one moment. Just bear with me for a little bit. That's uh, Nina Simone playing in the background. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I was I was way off um, as far as the time goes. So Khalif Browder was held at Rikers Island for three years without trial, and then unfortunately um, he later committed suicide. Uh, he was sent to Rikers Island when he was 16 years old, accused of stealing a backpack. Now, I knew this whole story. Um and when Jay-Z got behind it and they produced that documentary, I was like, wow, that's that's what's up. And to, you know, those who, who definitely support him, uh, you know, you I, I, I know personally you look at guys like Jay-Z and, and Dr. Dre and uh, a number of other not just musicians, but other, other, a, a number of other uh, black wealthy artists uh, or otherwise. Um and you kind of seen them come from where they came from to where they are now. And you just hope, man, I hope that they use their their position and their platform, you know, to do whatever they can to to enact change. And some people are doing that. And, and you know, some people are doing it in their, in their own way. So, I'm, again, I'm not knocking, you know, how people decide to do those things. I just hope that those things actually end up being beneficial, not just for them, but for, you know, people who support them as well. So, yeah, uh, like I said in the beginning, man, th think a lot of things are different now. Uh, a lot of things are different. Uh, as a poet, you know, and as a person who enjoys interacting with, with other people, you know, the last six months has been very limited as far as what you can do, where you can go. I had a whole thing planned for the summer, you know, as far as traveling and, and, and working on you know, stuff like the podcast, books, and, and things like that. And a lot of it got derailed, sidelined, you know, whatever, because of the, the, the changes in, in, in our lives or in our, in our society uh, because of COVID. And it's, it's funny how something like that can also be politicized as well. And, and people take hard line stances on something like that, that is, that is, you know, the, the measures that were put into place, uh, you know, the stay at home uh, orders and the county and city ordinances, state ordinances, um, something as simple as wearing a mask became such a hot topic to where you had people protesting, you know, that they wanted to go to the hair salons. They wanted to go to church. They wanted to be able to go wherever they wanted to go. And not be told by our government to wear a mask and not be told by our government that they can't do this, they can't do that. And I totally understand that to a certain degree. Not not the whole protesting because you can't go to the hair salon, because if you can protest because you can't go to the hair salon, you can protest in solidarity with black people uh, who are protesting because we're getting shot and killed in the street by police officers. If you can protest about a mask, you can you can be there on the front line with Black Lives Matter. I mean, that's 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? That blew my mind. How white people were storming city buildings with guns. And you didn't hear about any police shootings on those cases. You didn't hear about any, you know, thing, anything crazy happening. You didn't hear about it because those people were protected by the same people that they were protesting against. Right. Uh, just recently. Um, and, and again, I don't have all the names and I, I, I don't want to have too much dead air while I'm trying to uh, look up these 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 different uh, topics. But um, we all heard about it. The kid who was walking through the crowd of protesters um, and with an assault rifle. And, you know, people knew they were I mean, he had just shot and killed three people. He had just shot and killed three white people. And people knew who this kid was. The police were there. They saw him. He did not get uh, shot. He didn't, you know, there wasn't any any kind of violent confrontation with this kid. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, 17-year-old. Some people are labeling him as a hero. Others are labeling him as a vigilante. And the picture that I'm looking at, which is super crazy, is not only was it... So this happened in Kenosha. And I think that's Wisconsin. Yeah, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, the picture is him and another person walking with assault rifles through the street. Um, you know, those protesters were there uh, protesting the shooting of Jacob Blake. Fortunately, Jacob Blake didn't die, but his life is still changed forever because he's paralyzed. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse... And, and I like the way this article is written. So it the, 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 the paragraph before that talks about Jacob Blake being shot by a white police officer, now paralyzed from the waist down, may never walk again. That black man initially was chained to a hospital bed to fight for his life. He didn't commit a crime, right? The next paragraph goes, but a white teenager, Kyle Rittenhouse, could walk down a public street in that same city during a chaotic protest and violation of curfew with a military-style semi-automatic long gun strapped over his shoulder and police officers did not stop him. Instead, they tossed him a bottle of water and thanked him for his help. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but I do know that they handled this kid very delicately. Same way they handled um, Dylan Roof delicately after he shot nine people in the Charleston church. So you have people that are committing crimes, but because they're white, they survive committing crimes, murdering people. They survive to see court. They survive to see jail. They survive. The numbers of unarmed black men and women and children that were killed and they were doing nothing wrong. We're going to talk about the ones who clearly they were doing nothing wrong we're not going to talk about the ones who oh but this happened that happened even though those are still unjust and still uh wasn't handled correctly we're going to take those out of the equation tamir rice playing with a toy gun shot and killed in the street just to name one because i'm not going to go down the line but we see the difference and everything is different everything is different 
everything is on lines of minorities versus majority, black versus white, um, gay versus straight. It's like so many different things that the 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 the, the old way of doing things just it's not gonna cut it. I mean, and, and unfortunately, the old way of doing things is still the way things is getting done, right? The, 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 it's like nothing's changed. Like, again, like I mentioned, you know, a whole lot has changed, but nothing's really changed when it comes to that. I think the only thing that really has changed is that, you know, there's a, there's a whole lot more people, um, especially young people um, that are willing to, to get out in the street in protest on a regular basis. I mean, these protests have been going on for months. Um, and I think another difference that we can see is that the protests have been happening across the world. Um, and they've been happening across the country simultaneously, you know, so that's something that we hadn't seen in, in a very, very long time. And I hope that it's effective. I hope that the people who have the, the ability to, 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 um, use their resources, uh, to implement things that can and will uh, evoke change. I, I really hope those people uh, decide to do that. I hope the people that are doing it now continue to do so. And uh, also, you know, on on the on the on the the ground level with people like me and, and platforms like podcasting and things like that, I really hope you know a lot of people find their voice during this time. Um, because it it needs to be heard. Um, we need to, and and I don't. Sometimes you can get discouraged. Uh, you can get, you know, that disenfranchised feeling comes up, and you feel like, you know, what you're able to do is not enough, um, or what you're able to do, um, isn't it's not having the impact that you want it to have. And I think that's just when we have to just look at what we can do, uh, what we're able to do. On what we're willing to do um, and, and try to get this thing turned around. Um, it's like I was, I forget who I was with. Uh, I think it was with my sister. And she said, you know, what's crazy is like every time you see, you know, someone with a Trump sticker on their, their, um, their car. I saw uh, something on the back of a neighbor's car, you know, that lives downstairs from me. Um, they're white and, you know, you see them in passing, you just, you don't have, a, 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 a you know, any elaborate thoughts about who these people are, you know, they're just your neighbors. And then I saw the Trump sticker on their car that says, I support Trump, fuck your feelings or something like that. And I was like, uh, Hey, <laughs> you know, that's the world we live in. And now it's like people, you know, uh, you got a guy who's out here literally spewing hate and, and, and saying it's okay. <laughs> You know, and and people's true colors uh, have come out. You, you thought the true colors came out when Obama was president. You know, they're really coming out now. So I just feel like, you know, we're on the front line of, of a lot of things that's going to happen. And, and, and it's unfortunate, but there's 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 not a scenario that I see that things don't get a whole lot worse, you know, in the near future. Um, and I think this is the first time that I've ever felt that um you know the, the 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 saying that things get worse before they get better um this is the first time that i've really looked at a situation and i'm like i don't know if this is going to get any better you know um and that's 
when, you know, whatever spiritual or religious views that individuals have, you know, faith, hope, you know, they lean on whatever it is that they lean on to give them some sort of semblance or idea that, yeah, we got to go through this right now, but, you know, better things are are coming, you know, change is coming. Um, I've become very cynical <laughs> since the last time you heard from me. Uh, and I think as I get into a, a routine to where I'm putting out, you know, more regular content on these podcasts, um, I think you'll, you'll hear, or, you know, you'll hear that come out. Um, and, you know, we'll discuss that on a, on a, on a number of different topics, but yeah, uh, I used to be a person that could look to the future and be like, nah, definitely. It's got to get better. Uh, it's going to get better. And now it's like, you know, we might have to dig in, you know, and, and ride this thing out for a while. Like I'm 40 years old and get ready to turn 41, uh, on October 1st. Uh, that's a little bit over a week from now. And just looking at the amount of time that has gone by, like I literally every day that I wake up, I can't believe that I'm 40 because I just felt like I just turned 30, you know, like you look back, it's, it's crazy. Like I hear people say, you know, I watch a lot of sports. So, you know, right now the, 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 the NBA playoffs is happening and everybody's talking about, well, 30 years ago on this date. And I look back 30 years ago, I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I'm literally almost middle age. Or I, in some cases, I could be considered middle age. You know, I see new gray heads popping up here and there. And it's just like the time is flying by so fast. And especially the last, I would say, for me, the last three or four years, it seems like the time is going by even faster, you know, Um I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and I forget exactly what we were talking about. Oh, we was talking about something that happened um, when we worked together or something like that. And, and we both realized, dude, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> and we're like, yo, that feel like it happened yesterday. And, and I don't, I can't explain it. Maybe it's, it's just that there's so much happening that, and especially now we're, we're spending a lot of time in our homes um, and, you know, a lot of times with ourselves. And I think it's because we're processing so much information. You know, when you look back, say, six months ago, it's September. The end of September is going to be October. And, you know, while we were in the midst of the, of the beginnings of the pandemic from March, roughly, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been out of work since March. So that's March, April, May, June, July, August, September. That's six months. It doesn't feel like six months have gone by. It feels like it's only been a few weeks to me. And there's probably a few people that might be able to relate to that or, or a couple of people, a lot of people that might be able to, might be able to relate to that. And I think with uh, some of the additional work that I've been doing um, with, um, you know, good friends of mine, community work. Uh, we're doing some virtual community gatherings. Um, you know, a, a lot of different feelings, you know, ideas, um, just being in, in, in that space with different people. It, it really brings to light a lot of the concerns um, 
and viewpoints that a lot of people have, whether you agree or, or you disagree. I think at, you know, during these times, if we can actually get to a space where we can talk about things honestly, um, then that's a that's a good starting point, hoping that things do eventually change. Um, but it's just it's, it's interesting to me how all of these things kind of snowballed at the same time and and the reactions not just it's i don't think we're reacting to 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 individual uh things that happen it's like we're reacting to everything that's happening at the same time we have to process it at the same time because it's all going on that's it's happening at the same time um and again i'm only 40 <laughs> so i can't speak to anything that's happened outside of my personal life um but you know it's just a matter of i think about my parents when they were growing up and they grew up during the civil rights era and i haven't asked them because you know the opportunity for the conversation hadn't come up but i would love to ask him like yo during the 60s like did it seem like things was moving by so fast that next thing you know stuff was happening and in, in, in 10 20 years have gone by i know my mom always says you know she didn't think that the way um this uh world has gone so far or the the, the times that we're living in she didn't think that Things would last long enough, and it's because of her beliefs, you know, as a Jehovah's Witness. She didn't think what they called this system of things. She didn't think it would last long enough for us to see 30, let alone see 40. Uh, so that gives you an indication or gives me an indication about how, you know, some some of our parents, grandparents or just older family members, how they feel about, you know, the, 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 the span of time that has gone not just for them, you know, as they were growing up, but even as they watched their children and their grandkids grow up, you know, um, it's, it's, it, 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 it puts things in a, in, a, in, a, in a different perspective that I had never viewed them through before. Um, and again, I think that comes with getting older and, and different things, meaning uh, something different to me now than they did 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and to literally be able to sit here and say 15, 20 years ago, um, it's a blessing because, you know, I'm still here. You know, according to the demographics, uh, a lot of black people, black men especially, don't make it to 40. You know, so I, I'm def I definitely feel privileged to, to be here and be able to reflect on how things are much different, not just over the last six months to a year, but you know, over the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's, it's a lot different. Um, and I just hope that, you know, with, with the time that I have on my hands, I can be, you know, more effective, more efficient in, in some of the things that I'm doing, but, you know, just more consistent as well. Uh, and just, you know, giving uh, people who want to listen or willing to listen, um, you know, Give them something to listen to, I guess so. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, I appreciate everybody for tuning in. Uh, this is, you know, the Is What It Is, a podcast gumbo featuring myself, Max Slit. Um, we've got some exciting stuff coming up. Um, 
just to run through some stuff real quick. Uh, if you don't know already, I'm one half of a collective called uh, Free Upstate Poetry. Um, I shouldn't say one half, I'm one part of uh, that uh, Free Upstate Poetry Collective. Um, my partner, CP, we recently recorded uh, some content explaining what we do with Free Upstate Poetry. Uh, so I look forward to, to, to putting that up for y'all to hear. It's about 20 minutes, so I think I'm going to uh, add that to a surrounding podcast. So just add it like, as a little snippet. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of some of the things that we've been working on and some of the things that we got coming up. Uh, I'm in the midst of trying to figure out, you know, what my next book project is going to be um, working on a novel. Um, oh, I'm always working on a novel. <laughs> that's nothing new. Anybody that knows me uh, knows that there's this great American novel that's in me that I'm trying to get out and it, it, it keeps switching uh, I shouldn't say switching. It keeps evolving into something different. Um, so I look forward to figuring that out and, 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 and getting that out to the people. Um, there might be some music coming. I don't know. You know, I just, I just now have all this time on my hands and it, it, there's some days that I'm like, ah, oh my God, I don't know what to do with it, but there's plenty that I can be doing. So there's definitely going to be some, some, some stuff coming, some content coming. So um, I thank you all for being patient. And when I say you all, I mean everyone who checks in every once in a while that says, hey, man, you know, you, you still doing a podcast when they come in. Um, so I appreciate, you know, people being interested in, in hearing what I have to say and wanting to hear it. So um, I thank all of you. And I thank the people that have continuously supported uh, this podcast and they support uh, Free Upstate Poetry. Uh you know, we have Akata Visions who shot the um, the promo that we did for Free Upstate. So appreciate that. That's Adam Black and Shemuel XYZ. Okay, I feel like Sesame Street. It is what it is. It's brought to you by ML Creative Consulting and Publishing. Our executive producers are Max Lit and Nicole Grace, a.k.a. The Soulful Vegan. The opening and closing music for this episode was produced by Hash Adams. Our supporters are The Soulful Vegan LLC, VF by Design, Akata Visions, and Free Upstate Poetry. If you'd like to become one of our supporters, DM me on Instagram at maxlit50 or email me at maxlit50 at gmail.com. Peace.